let's, let's review just a minute before we get into this message, all right? Stop planting bad seed. Start planting awesome seed. That's what we talked about our first week. I, I, I don't normally do this, these kinds of reviews. So every once in a while I do, but I, I don't normally. But this, this, this series, because some of you have missed, and because some of you, your attention span is about two minutes, you know, I want to do a review a little bit with you, right? Stop planting bad seeds. Start planting all, because we don't want just so-so life, right? We want amazing. If you want amazing, you got to plant amazing seed. So plant them, and, and, and sometimes when we plant bad seed, it's not that we're planting evil seed, wicked seed, it's just we're planting seed that's not really, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, if, if you're working an hourly job, you know, you're, you're making hourly wages, you can't afford to live like Donald Trump. It's nice to watch him do all the stuff he does, maybe in dream and say, I wish I could do that. But if you're trying to do that kind of stuff and living beyond your means, you're planting bad seed. You're taking seed that could be used for good seed, and you're planting it as bad seed. You, you're turning what could be good seed into bad seed because of the way you're using it. And then the next week, we talked about vision and mission being, being bigger, being more important than your budget. That doesn't mean you go out and do everything you want to regardless of what your budget is. No, it means that you, you have to fix your budget to match your vision, your, wit, your, your mission, even for your family. You know, you don't have a house, but you want to get a house of your own one day? then you've got to change your budget. You can't say, well, because my budget isn't there, then I'll never have anything. No, what you've got to do is you've got to quit looking at your budget and say, I can't because of my budget. You've got to look and say, I've got to do this. This is what I've got to do for my family. This is what I've got to do for my future. And you've got to make some adjustments to your budget. Your vision and your mission have to, have to they're the ones that dictate how you handle your budget and dream bigger than you. You know, I mean, I mean if you're just believing God, to bring up the sun tomorrow morning. Does everybody believe God's going to do that? It takes no faith, does it? He has brought up the sun every single day of your life. So it takes no faith to believe that God is going to do that tomorrow. That's not faith. Dreaming bigger than yourself and who you, and who you are is believing God to do something that he's not done yet. It's, it's faith. You need to be dreaming bigger than you so you're relying upon him. And, uh, and then last week we talked about sowing and how, how it's scary, but we really talked about it grows exponentially. Planting one seed does not produce one fruit. Planting one seed produces multiple fruits. And then when you keep doing it generation after generation after generation, you begin to see exponential growth. So those, that's the review. So let's have a word of prayer and let's jump into this week. This is the last one. And uh, I got… I got so much, it's going to be hard for me to figure out what to cut out here, but I got so much I want to tell you because I don't know when we'll get back to this subject, but I got to share some things with you today. And, and, and let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. It's because I want you to live a blessed life. And, you know, I'm tired of, I'm tired of hearing, and I don't mean I'm tired of it like, please don't tell me any more of your problems. That's not what I mean. I'm tired of hearing though people struggling through life and, and, and I can't figure out how to make ends meet and I, I don't know you don't know where you know maybe maybe you know where your next meal's coming from but you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from or you don't know where your next job is coming from. I'm tired of hearing that. I want Christians, especially those of my 2911 family, I want them to be blessed and blessed abundantly. That's why I preach this to you. 
I want you to have it. I want you to get it. I want you to embrace this, understand it. It will become a part of your DNA and your nature. And so, and so you begin to get in this cycle of, of you're doing what you're supposed to do, and then God's doing what he's supposed to do. So you're putting, like last week, you're putting that little bitty kernel in the ground, and God is pouring so much on you, you can't even hold it. That's what I want to see happen in your life. Let's pray. Father, I ask you, God, finish this sermon series with us today, God. Please, I pray, challenge someone to, and, and help someone really get it. I pray, God, that my, that my words not be confusing. My words be so simple, God, that every one of us can get it, Lord, and, that some, and then, then they can take it and they can go deep with it, God. They can get really deep, as deep as they're willing to go, God, to begin to see you do amazing, wonderful things in their life. Because that's what they've, they've asked for every week, God, raising their hand, that they want amazing. I pray, God, give us amazing. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, I've said some things very specific in this, in this sermon series. And if you've forgotten or you missed them, go back and listen to the podcast because you need to get these. You can tell me all day long, all week long, all month long, all year long, pastor, pray with me about this, 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 this. My prayers are not the key. The key most of the time starts with you planting. There's some things that I've said very specifically that you need to be putting inside of you and be living. And I'm not just talking about finances, I'm talking about every area of your life. I'm talking about your relationships, talking about your marriage, talking about your future, your education, your job, your vocation, all of those things, every bit of it. You still have to be planting seeds. One of the things we talked about one week is this is not just a, an agricultural thing. It's not just you plant corn, you get a lot of corn. It's like whatever you plant in your relationships, it blossoms and your relationships get better. Whatever you put in your marriage, you put it there and it blossoms and your marriage gets better. Whatever you put into your kids, it blossoms and your kids grow up to be better adults. Every, every single thing. Here's another thing that you need to get. You need to really understand this. You know, and this is the time of year, you know, people visit and whatever. Let me give you a rule here. When you come to my house, Always remember to ring the doorbell with your elbow. Okay? Can you remember that? Now, do you know why you need to ring the doorbell with your elbow? Because your arms are full. And you got to ring the doorbell with your elbow, right? I mean, you come to my house, like, you know, you got to ring the doorbell with your elbow when you, you know, you bring in over a blueberry cobbler pie. I just threw that one in because that's one of my favorites. If you don't know how to make that, I'm okay with pecan pie. Uh, um, also, uh, you know, uh, pineapple upside down cake. I'm good with that one too. You know, and, and, you know, if nothing else, just grab a jug of Milo's sweet tea on your way or whatever. Ring the doorbell with your elbow. Uh, uh, okay. And I don't know you, it didn't sound like any of you've ever heard that before. I figured some of you would kind of chuckle. I, I, I know what he's talking about, but you never heard that before. Well, that's not really the rule at my house. It's a rule at God's house. Did you know that? I'm not talking about me. When you show up at my house, remember to ring the doorbell with your elbow. That's what God says. You may show it to you. There are three places in the Old Testament where he specifically said that. And some people say, oh, okay, glad that's Old Testament. I don't have to work. No. <laughs> Jesus didn't do away with the Old Testament. He perfected. The Old Testament teaches us stuff, okay? Now, this is not about the command. This is not about you better do it, you better do it. I want to show you something here, okay? Follow me, okay? So don't write it off because it's Old Testament. In the book of Exodus, two places in the book of Deuteronomy, God is talking to them about, about when they come together uh, with the feasts and all the other things they do when they come to his house. And he says in uh, chapter 23, verse 15 of Exodus and chapter 34, verse 20, he says this exact phrase at the same place. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. What's he saying? When you come to my house, ring the doorbell with your elbow. 
because you're supposed to bring something to me. And then Deuteronomy 16, verse 16, 17, he says, No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. And I know some people want to pass that off and say, well, he's talking about coming with a, something to, to just give to God. Now, he didn't say no one is to appear before me empty-hearted or empty-minded. He said no one is to appear before me empty-handed. And he's talking about bringing a gift to God every single time that you come before him. He said, you come to me, and, and you come to me because you've got sin in your life, and you want me to forgive you of it because you're tired of living under the curse of sin. Well, it show up with something in your hand. You want me to, to meet your needs. You've got financial needs. You, your, your business isn't going well. Your crops are, 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 are wasting away, and here he's talking to the Israelites, so he'll be talking about those kinds of things. But in the same realm, your business, your finances, they're wasting away. You want me to fix that? God said, well, show up with something. Don't appear empty-handed before me. We've talked about that this week, I mean, this, uh, this month. You have to put something in God's hands for him to work with, not just a prayer. Say, oh, God, I need, I need. He said, don't appear before me empty-handed. Bring something to me to work with. Okay, we're, we're going to need, I, I think we're going to need some, some understanding, some uh, example, illustration of this, because most of the time when people read this kind of thing or they hear this kind of a message, they just write it off. They say, oh yeah, that's, that's the church, just wanting money. That's God always wanting to get in the middle of my business. Let me, let, let, let me uh, take you somewhere for just a minute if I can. I, I want to ask you three questions, you know, specifically, specifically of parents or grandparents uh, of little kids, small children. And, and you know, you might have to think back if your kids are a little older. But did you ever have them, maybe when they were three, four, five years old, and you were doing something around the house and they wanted to help you. Maybe you were cleaning the house and they wanted to help you clean. They did not yet understand what housework really meant, you know, they were, they were still in that place. Or maybe, you know, you were cutting the grass, they wanted to help you cut the grass. They didn't understand, you know, they finally became teenagers and then they understood, you know, no, wait a minute, this is work, you know. Or you're building a project or something, you know, and, and there he comes, I got a little grandson, he'll be four in just a couple of weeks. And uh, my nickname for him is Bang Bang. He's a hammer. That's a Bang Bang. And uh, he, he, he wants to build. He wants to do something. And, you know, sometimes you got to keep a kid like that busy building something or they'll tear everything else up, you know, just because they got to do something, right? So if you ever had a three, four, five-year-old want to help you with something, so let me ask you a few questions right here, all right? First of all, did you need their help, yes or no? Did you need their help? No? Did you need their help? Second question, did you give them something that was dangerous or beyond their ability to use? Did you put a skill saw in their hands? And if you did, we need to get you in a parenting small group in a hurry, okay? Right? So did you put something dangerous or beyond their, their ability to use? Did you put something like that in their hands? No. Third question, you know what the first two answers were, right? No and no. Third question. I'm not trying to lead you here. If the answer is yes, go ahead and answer yes. Third question. Did the job, the project, the whatever you were doing, did it get done easier because of their involvement? No. <laughs> then why did you let them be involved? Why didn't you say, no, you can't do this. Go sit down. I'll call you when you're old enough to do you didn't do that, did you? you did, why did you let them be involved? 
Why did you give them a broom to go over there and just push stuff around when you knew they weren't getting it anywhere near a pile that you could sweep up? You know, why did you let them be involved? Come on, somebody, help me. Why did you let them be involved? Ah, thank you. Because they needed it. I'm glad. I was afraid you would say, because they wanted to. Wanting to is not enough. Because there's going to be a lot of times they don't want to. Wanting to is not enough. And if you, if you only let your kids do what they want to do, and you always let them do what they want to, then we definitely need to get you in that parenting small group. And right now, we're, we're kind of winding down for the year. But if, if that's who you are, and you think you're supposed to let your kids do everything they want to do, and only do what they want to do, we'll start one up this afternoon for you because you're in a dangerous situation right now. You're in emergency mode, right? You know, if that's who your kids are. And that's what you are. And so no, no, no. And the reason you let them any, even though the answer is no, 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 the reason is, is because they needed to be involved. Because after this thing is over, you know, me and Colin, we built some little step stools, you know, kind of help them get up to wash their hands. They needed something like that. And so we threw, threw them together, you know, and they're, you know, well, he already broke one of them. Yeah. So after we got it done, but, uh, but you know, we built it. And so he could take some pride in that. I helped Pop build that with my bang bang that Mr. Tommy got for him, you know, over at Lowe's. I mean, so, so he's, he's proud of that. He needs to be involved. Okay, so let's ask this question. Same questions, but let's ask God. God, in, in, in this big, huge scheme of all the things that you're trying to do in our life, bring us blessings and miracles and wonder and all these good things that you want to do for us even supply our needs financially. First of all, God, let's ask, let me ask you that question. God, do you need us? Y'all know the answer? Does God need your help to bring you salvation? Does God need your help to give you an awesome marriage? No, he could do it and just boom, you got an awesome marriage. Your husband agrees with everything you say, right then, boom. God doesn't need your help doing that. Yeah, he can just do it financially. Just pour. I mean, you know, you can have a Brinks truck just run into the front door of your house, you know, and just uh, just kind of park right there. God could do that. He doesn't need your help. Okay. So, second question, God, when you get us involved, do you give us something to do that is dangerous for us or that is beyond our ability to do? That's the second question. Remember that we asked a few moments ago. And what does God say? No. Does he ask? I, and I know somebody's going to say, oh, but you know those missionaries have to go into the j- deep, dark jungles of Africa and all of that? And so God sends them. No, 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 no. God doesn't send them. They go. Sometimes, sometimes we misunderstand. And, 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 you know, when I was here, I heard a speech from, from a politician not too long ago, and he was standing in front of a lot of, a lot of military guys, and I don't, I don't remember which branch of the service it was. They were behind him, and, and they were saying, we're not going to send you in harm's way. And I said, you ain't got a clue. Those guys behind you, you're not going to send. They're back there chomping at the bit. Send us. This is who we are. This is what we've trained to do. It's our passion. We want to defend our country. Put us out there. Don't make excuses about why we're not. We want to go to battle. And in the same way, a missionary, God doesn't send a missionary. God doesn't call a missionary. It's inside a missionary, and they say, if I don't go, I'm going to explode. Just like you ladies. If I don't have kids, I'm going to explode. If my grandkids don't, my wife, you know, that, my grandkids, my daughter and, and, and her husband and two grandkids, they've been living with us for a while. They just moved into their, into their new house. And, and, and you know, and, and so everybody's talking about, oh, it's going to be a lot quieter around you. No, it's not. 
My wife's got a call, and we, she's got a passion in her. As soon as those kids get out of the house, she's already thinking about how she's going to get them back to our house. <laughs> the first day they were out of our house was last Monday. Guess what? They were there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. If they hadn't have gone to Huntsville on Thursday and Friday to see the other grandparents, they would have been at our house again. Why? Because Not because somebody makes her. There is a passion about that. God's not going to make you do stuff you don't want. He never called you to do stuff you can't do or that is dangerous for you. Okay, so question number two. No, 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 no. So question number three. God, isn't it a lot easier when you have our help doing stuff? If God, if God looks at your marriage and says, man, I'm so glad they helped me. God, do you think God ever says that about your marriage? Oh, man, the way they treat their spouse, it just makes it so easy for me to give them an awesome marriage. The way they raise their kids, the way they talk to them, with such a kind and compassionate direction. In, in the, uh, no, God said, no. It is not easier because I let you help me with this. Then God, why in the world do you let us help you? Because we need to help. Because when this thing is done, we need to start, we need to be able to grow. Colin will never learn to use a real hammer if he doesn't have a little bang bang. You will never learn to really live life and become a mature Christian person, adult, friend, spouse, whatever. You will never learn that unless God gives you the opportunity. And, and he is not demanding and demanding. He says this, like the tithe, you know, don't, don't show up empty handed. He said, 10% belongs to me. 10% belongs to me. 10%. Is that too much? You say, well, yeah, it is because I, you know, I'm really struggling with But you're misunderstanding. What he is saying is, I can do so much more with your 90% than you can do with 100%. And so what he's saying is he's saying, if you will join with me in partnership, like little bang bang, I'll do awesome. But I can't do awesome. I can't do amazing if you have decided I'm not a part of your partnership. And you see, here's what happens with the tithe. And uh, don't, don't speak about tithe a whole lot, um, but I want you to hear this. God doesn't need your tithes. You just heard that, right? You understand that now? He does not need your tithes. You need to honor God with the tithes. Because what you do, if you make $100, and, and what you do when you take that $10, you put it in God's hands, what you are doing is you're saying, you are Lord of all my money. And you know how powerful that is? When your money is not matching up and meeting all the needs in your household, when you're saying, but God, you're Lord of my money. There's not enough of it, God. You can pray that prayer when there's not enough if you've made him Lord of the money. But when you've not made him Lord over the money, you can't pray the prayer. You can't say, God, you're Lord over my money. And when you don't give him what he said, this is mine, and you don't give him, you're saying, well, God, you know, you're not Lord over my money. I want you to be Lord over my marriage because it's a mess. I want you to be Lord of my kids because they're a mess. But God, my money, I, I just think I can handle it better than you can. He says, well, go ahead. And you can't pray the prayer. But what you do when you, you make him Lord of the money. And he doesn't do that because he needs your money. He doesn't do that because he can fund this church better if you give. No. I've heard it all my life. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And he owns the hills. And then another preacher came along and said, and he owns the taters under them hills too. Yes, he does. He owns it all. 
He does not need us. We need him. And let me show you what happens. When we are givers, let me show you what the seed does. This is the Malachi chapter 3, and this is the one that all the pastors use, talk about you've got to tithe, you've got to tithe, you've got to. And this is the one where all the church members want to check out, say, I don't want to listen to this. He's on, I know he's going to talk about tithing, and he's going to tell me why I need to. No, I've already told you why you need to. I'm going to tell you the results. That's what, that's what I see here in Malachi chapter 3, is the results of the seed. Here's what the seed does. In Malachi chapter 3, the first part of verse 10, God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in this. He says, try me. Just try me and see what I can do. Bring the tithe. Bring that 10% into into my house and just see what I can do with it. You know what he does with it? He provides bread in, in his house. There is bread in God's house. Now, this is figuratively speaking. This means more than just bread. In those days, it just meant bread. But today, what what is the bread? The bread of life, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the, the preached Word. There is bread. Can I tell you something? There are marriages today. There are marriages sitting right here in front of me that are still together, that are strong today, and that that are now looking for ways to pour into other people who are struggling in their marriage. Why? Because there's bread in the house. There There are single adults here that gave up on God, walked away from church and, and, and turned their back on everything that had been taught to them and they're back and they're, they're, back and they're, they're beginning to reach out to others. You know why? Because there's bread in the house. Your marriage is together today. Your finances are beginning to come together. You know, you got a job. Somebody this week, this past week, somebody got a job this past week. And some of you say, well, I need that too. Plant a seed. Because, you know, and, and that person, they got a job this week. Your marriage is together. Single adults, young adults are, are returning and coming back to God. Why? That's happening today. Because yesterday somebody brought their tithe. Because somebody's been paying their tithes. God's been taking that and providing bread in his house. And that's why you're blessed. That's why you love standing in this sweet, awesome atmosphere. Thank you, God. Oh, it's wonderful. Isn't it wonderful? And you enjoy it. But don't be a moocher. You you can giggle. It's all right. (laughs) Don't be a moocher. You know, after a while, I mean, everybody's invited to come to the table the first time, but after a while, come on. You know, you need to be a part of it and bring it because you know what happens is that when you become a part of it, not because there's more money, but because there's more you. Not because there's more tithes coming in, but because there are more tithers who are now being a partner with God, there is more bread in the house. There are more marriages to be saved, more, more single adults to, to, to come back to God, more, more, more uh, financial needs to be met, more kids to be ministered to in our kids' area because there are more people who have partnered with God. Now, that's the first thing. God, God says there are four things in Malachi chapter 3 that he says are blessings or results of us bringing the tithe into the house. Four of them. And the first one is for everybody, that when you partner you bless the whole church. That ought to be enough for some of us to say, when I, you, you mean, Pastor, when I become a tither, I bless all, yeah, you bless the whole church. You provide tithe. It's like you, you haven't even counseled. You don't even know who those people are, who those marriage, their marriages have been saved. You haven't been involved whatsoever except in your tithe. 
But because of that, you're part of it. And you can throw your head and shoulders back like Bang Bang did, my little grandson, and you can say, I'm a part of that. I helped Pop build that. You can throw your shoulders back and say, every time God, Pastor Sit tells us about another marriage being saved in our church or another, another person coming back tonight, every time I'm part of that because I'm part of the partnership. The blessings just go throughout the whole church and into the community. Not just here, in the, but into the community. We've helped two families just in the past two weeks with, with some, some really, really strong, really big needs we've helped. And one of the ways we've done that is just because of giving. We're going to help a lot more in the next five weeks or so because, I mean, it's that time of year and we're going to find a lot of needs and this, this is the big benevolence time of the year. And sometimes we're going to have people just show up and say, I've got to have, and we'll be able to just do it because of your giving. There's bread in the house that we can share because of your giving. So this first promise is to everybody, but there are three other promises following up right here. And they are to the giver specifically themselves. Let's look at them. The end of verse 10, he says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Innumerable blessings that he will pour out upon you too many blessings that you can't even store it. You know, and sometimes I, I look at that and I say, well, I'm not seeing that happen a whole lot. Not seeing any of you guys, you know, win sweepstakes or whatever, and you got so much money you don't know what to do with. It's not that kind of a thing. It's the kind of a thing that where you've got so much, you say, I got to do something with this. I got to bless somebody. If you, if you understand anything about giving and receiving, you understand that once it starts, man, you won't ever want to stop it. Once you get that cycle going where you're giving God your little bitty pieces and he is just blessing you like this, you're going to say, man, I don't want this to stop. And it'll be a cycle. It just keeps going and going and going. And every time you're planting as God, it's just blossoming. He's exploding blessings. And you say, I'm going to get, if God give me some more. You remember, it's like the scripture. We, took, we had so many last week. I, got, I wasn't able to get to very many of them. But you remember that one? It says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, good, good measure, pressed down. Come on, put some more in. God's saying, press it down, put some more in. Good measure, pressed down shaken together and running over, God will pour into your lap and God will cause men to pour into your lap. Why does God give us more than we need? So we can hoard it? So we can waste it? Or so we can share it? And we can keep the cycle going. And we're giving and God's just blessing us more than we can stand. And not just in finances, so that we're giving out of our families and God is blessing our marriages. So that God is giving, giving out of, of who we are and God is blessing our children, generation and generation and generation. And, and then in verse 11, uh, the, the, the third promise, which is just to the individual that gives, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Not just any Lord, the Lord Almighty. Pest control and harvest protection. There's another scripture that talks about putting your wages in bags with holes. Sound familiar to anybody? Does that sound familiar to you? You feel like you were making all, you work all weekend and you put it in a bag, it just feels like, man, that bag's just got holes in it, man, it's just running out faster than I can pour it in. God said, you become a giver, you partner with me in this, and I will rebuke the devourer. I will close up the holes in the bottom of that bag. 
I will prevent the pests from eating the harvest that I am giving you on a daily basis. And you just see the pests eating it up. God said, no, 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 no. You, you, you partner with me. And he says, I'll do this for you. And the fourth thing is verse 12. He says, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. Those that don't believe in God is who he's talking about here. He said, all those other nations don't even know who I am. They will call you blessed. Let's put that in a little bit more of a, of a modern day understanding of, of, of the wording here. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that you will be so blessed that even the atheist and the agnostic will have to admit something is different about that person. The one who says, I do not believe there is a God, will have to say, well, there's something different about those people. God says, partner with me in this, and I will make you so blessed. You, your land, your home, your, your future, your stuff will be so delightful that even the people who don't know me and don't even believe I exist will have to admit there's something different about you. Those three promises, those last three, those are two specific to the giver. This is the seed this is, this is the result of the seed in your life. When you plant the seed, you bless everybody around you. When you plant the seed, you, you have so much blessing around you, and you want to give, and you want to do. You have the, control, the, the pest control, the harvest protection, and everybody around you has to say, there's something different about them. That's the result. That's the, that's, that's the result of planting the seed. Now, I've got to hurry here. So I, I've, got, I've got several things to say here, but I, I'm going to have to just hurry through some of this r real quick. So how do we plant seed? That's what we've talked about all this month. I, I'm talking to you now about, again, why you want to do this, why you want to do this. You've got to do this. Let me remind you of the seed. These are all the seeds that we've talked about. Do you realize this? We've talked about these, this many seeds this month of things that you need to plant, like for your future. You know, study. That's a seed. Study. Plant. Study. Uh, manners, respect, integrity, standards, self-discipline, the Word of God. Plant it in your life for your future. Those are seeds that you're planting. It's not just finances, but these things too. This last segment of what I was speaking about was specifically about finances, but that's, that's just a seed to bring those four blessings into your life. But there's so many other places of your life you need blessed, right? Uh, like if you want to impact others, be involved, invite, invite them to church, to, to small group, invite them to like tonight, invite somebody to come eat, uh, invest your time in somebody, be a giver, uh, give with wisdom. Don't mess up that gift by giving it with misunderstanding, but give it with full understanding of what you're doing for your relationships, the seeds of, uh, of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. You know, if you want more peace in your home, sow some peace. Quit coming home with an attitude. Quit getting up in the morning with an attitude. Start sowing some peace, and you'll see some peace, some harvest of peace. Patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, whatever you need in relationships, not just your marriage, but in your relationships if you're dating, or just relationships with your friends, a relationship with your parents, or with your children. You want some peace or, or, or some of these things? Plant it. Sow it, and you'll get it. Time. Time is one of the biggest, biggest seeds that, that nobody's planting these days. We don't have time to plant. We've got to go spend it on everything else. We don't have time to invest in other people. Big dreams and big effort, that just means faith. Big dreams and big effort. You've got to have them both. That's faith. Because you've got you to act on what you do. That's, that's faith. You big dreams and big effort, and then hope, trust, and again, 
faith. That's from last week, sticking that seed down there and saying, I don't know what, where I'm putting it. I'm putting it under the ground. I'm not going to see it anymore. I just got to trust. I got to hope that God's going to do it. That's faith. Over and over and over. We've given you all these seeds. These are things that you need to be getting and you need to be planting in all the areas of your life. Places that aren't bearing the stuff that you need, to, that you need it to bear, here's your seeds. Let me give you one more, one last seed. Okay? And th this is one we're going to close with. And it is praise. Praise is seed. When, when you praise, you're planting seed. Praise is seed. You remember this statement here? I've said it every Thanksgiving since we launched five years ago this past Easter. The true measure of Thanksgiving is how you handle the gifts you receive. You know, if you've got a, if you've got a, a rich aunt or uncle that always gives the best gifts at Christmas, Maybe they're a little eccentric and really, people really don't want to talk to them. Everybody else in the family doesn't want to talk to them too much because they're kind of weird, you know. But you talk to them because you know what kind of gifts they give. Right? Oh, yeah, you're going to spend some time, you know. You might not write any thank you notes, but that's one you're going to write because you want to make sure those gifts, they give the best gifts, they got all kind of money, and you want to keep those gifts coming. Right? That's what we should be doing with God. And not just for that reason, but, the, but understand, when we receive gifts, and we're not thankful for them? When we just take them and we, we just consume them on ourselves and we use them and we never take the time to just tell God thank you? There's no thanksgiving in that. And guess what? There's no tomorrow in that relationship either. It's over. You haven't been thanking God. You need to keep God involved in this and, and the things you bring to Him, these seeds that you bring to Him, the finances when, when you come to Him, but also the praise when you come to Him that you bring to him a thankful heart every time you come into this house, every time you go to him. You know, because did you realize, and throw the scripture up there if you will, and uh, did you realize that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, you know, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer today, if you, if you read it and look at it, you'll see that he teaches us to start with honoring God and to end with honoring God. Kind of a praise sandwich, right? Start with praise and end with praise. And then throw all of your needs in the middle right there. You know, make God happy when you start. I mean, isn't that, isn't that what you do with your parents? You know, when, when you went to your parents and needed something, didn't you, you know, you tried to brag on them a little bit or say, man, that's, that's a really nice dress you got on, Mom. You really, you really look good today. And she says, what do you want? <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, because that's because you don't honor her enough. You see, so some of us, we come to God on Sunday morning and we say, God, you're so awesome and amazing. God's like, what do you want? because we hadn't told him that in so long. This needs to become regular. Pray, begin with praise, end with praise, and just throw your stuff in the middle and leave it with him and let him believe that. And so we're going to do that. We do that every Sunday. We start with praise, and we end with praise. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, stand and come to the front. Let's close with a final prayer and a final song. If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with that final prayer and final song, and, and uh, we'd love to have you join us. If you're comfortable, please come join us. Not required to, but we'd love to have you join us. Somebody got a need met this week. Got a job. Somebody got a need met this week. They got a house. 
Ouais, bien. Every Sunday, I brought you to the front. I've asked you this question. And these people that got these needs met, they raised their hand. And you've been raising yours too, so keep raising it. Let me ask you one last time in this sermon series. How many of you need God to do something amazing in your life? That family raised their hand. Are you raising yours? I need amazing. Then let's finish this thing with praise right now. Real quick, close your eyes with me. Bow your heads. And let's tell God what we need real quick. Here's where I need amazing. He already knows. But he says, tell me anyway. I like to be asked. Jamie, go ahead when you can.